Conservative commentator Ben Shapiro takes a crack at a gender-ambiguous fashion trend and botches it as per usual arrangement. What the self-styled fashion gurus are saying about fashion during these seasons of transition. And plus, Emily Ratatowski and Kim Kardashian just can't get talked about enough. That's today on the Gen Spec Fashion Cast. Such a fickle mistress. You know, it's often said on this program that even to not wear clothing would still be a fashion decision and that uh, fashion is actually inescapable, especially if you're a man who either actively avoids the subject or just genuinely doesn't care. But in my experience, at least in my circle of friends, it's mostly a demeanor that is taken on where it is, um, there's a lot of prodding, you could say, um, where there is a, let's say, confusion as to why someone would be into fashion uh, who's a man, um, which is actually very common, but um, also to analyze what's going on, to be aware. Um, And this is actually pretty common um, for people that I know. Now, granted, I only live in one region of the U.S., and that's not representative at all uh, for men writ large. Uh, But then you have commentators who will just take these really common um, positions on it, um, which is pretty funny because we have so many examples to the contrary. So one thing I've noticed in my submersion into the world of fashion, and uh, you know, I make no qualms about it, um, I identify as a straight man, and um, that's just the way that I was born, and I know plenty of people and have known plenty of people who that's not the situation for them. Maybe they're born a woman, a straight woman, a lesbian woman, a gay man, um, and then maybe they have some sort of identity that falls somewhere in between. Um, If you take that further, by the way, and this is something that's really agreed upon, there's a a lot of people know about the Briggs-Meyer personality test. Um, I don't know mine because I personally didn't really think that it was um, accurate, if I'm being honest, because I don't think that people are either introverted or, or extroverted. I know that this is a common, the common thing is like, well, if you get energized from people, um, then you're an extrovert. And um, if you don't, then you're an introvert. But in my experience, you can be um, sitting at home, and th- this comes on the heel, by the way, on the heels of uh, having done a lot of uh, being proactive when I was, uh, it was around when I was 23, 24, uh, when I said, you know, I'm tired of being the person that I am, and I want to see what I can do uh, proactively uh, on my own. So proactive meaning, you know, a lot of people are just like, well, you know, if you're just a nice person, and you just treat people right, then, uh, you know, you're going to bring the right people in, into your life and uh, just treat other people as uh, you want to be treated. And um, for some reason, that just didn't work for me because you're always at the receiving end. And you can go your entire life being at the receiving end, but there are, once you're exposed to the even idea that you can be proactive that's really the beginning of a a really like um, I would say worthwhile journey although um, you know now that I'm a bit older um, 
I don't know if I could. Well, first off, I couldn't uh, imagine my journey going any other way because it went the way that it went. But the those same friends that I'm t- I'm referring to, I don't know that I could put them on that journey if it's something that you have to do maybe when you're younger because you don't want to get too set in your ways. Um, who knows? Uh, part of me doesn't believe that, but I can definitely tell now that changing habits is is not as fluid as it used to be. Uh, speaking of things that are fluid. So, um, when you uh, go out and, and you are proactive, there's this phenomenon that you might notice where you you know might be like sitting at home and in your mind you're basically committed to staying home. You're like, well, I'm going to, like if you're a guy and you are a modern person, maybe you're like, well, I just want to play this game. I really like this video game. Or, you know, maybe you're like, I'm going to finish watching a series on Netflix and you've basically in your mind committed to staying in and you that's like your mindset you know you're you're like well I'm staying in blah 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 blah. but let's say you're in a headspace where you're like man I am so tired of being at the receiving end I want to go and be proactive I want to go out and, and meet some new people well in that situation there is this weird phenomenon that I and other people have noticed where you can be feeling that that way but then as soon as you get up and uh, you go out and you kind of get into this momentum and um, everything changes Um, and suddenly instead of thinking you know um, I want to go back to my game uh, something mentally changes and now you may be thinking thoughts along the lines of oh man I'm having such a good time I don't want to go I don't want to leave you know or you like let's say you meet up with maybe even people that you know instead of thinking anything along the lines of like oh man like how much longer am I going to be here you start thinking things of like oh well let's go you know you guys want to go get something to eat um and it's very so it shifts from a um and that's why Myers-Briggs is a complete bunk so sorry to break it to you but um there you go i just disproved myers Briggs because if you're an e or an i then uh how does that explain the fact that uh people have these uh like paradigm shifts yeah so suck it myers Briggs. (laughs) fashion cast uh this is like the fashion science o cast so myers Briggs is bunk because it it uh un duly labels people and then some people try to make like a hybrid like an introverted extrovert uh yeah if that's what you want to call yourself but personally i think that everyone has here's my take for what it's worth is that people walk around with a certain social social strategy maybe it's kind i think at parts Parts of the time it's conscious. So I know some people who their social strategy, you know, and it's it's a subconscious thing for the most part because, I mean, you grow up, right? And you're not like, oh, man, like you just you you have a uh, what they call a temperament, right? And so for a lot of people, it's like just just be nice, uh, which I don't think is a very effective one. Um Two is, you know, just maintain a low, as low a profile you can, which, I mean, if that's how you want to go through life, then that's fine. Like, don't, don't get noticed. Um, Then you have, like, your narcissistic people, and I genuinely believe that that's something that's subconscious, but in their mind, it's almost like they need to prove to themselves through others that they are superior Um, you know, you have like your manipulators. And again, I think that that's subconscious. You have your codependent people who are seeking something, um, for themselves through other people. Um, you have your like junkies, maybe people who just want to like tune out 
and uh, not even just through drug use or, or substances, but maybe they're just like, I just don't want to face anyone, so I'm going to just bury myself in my phone. Um, but just like fashion, actually, because um, it's all it's all tied together. You know, you're you're inescapably a social creature. Um, there, uh, it, you you can't not have one. Again, even avoidance is one. It's probably not a healthy one. Um, so yeah, Myers Briggs complete bunk. Um, it's like the Easter Bunny or the Tooth Fairy. Um, and they should go the way of the dodo. And uh, it's super binary to, you know, typecast people like that. Like, what if one day um, my pet hamster just died, and so now I don't want to talk to anybody. But Myers called me an E, you know. What then? So, but there is something that um, I put a little bit more stock into called uh, temperament, which is that people have all sorts of different temperament. I mean, I'm a straight man, um, and I um, have an interest in a category that is pretty, pretty hyper dominated by women. And I don't mean that in a pejorative way. What I mean is that a lot of times it's um, women talking to other women. And a perfect example of that is if you read um, sort of fashion publications. Now, I've, I've thought about this because, I, I mean, obviously this is like, I, I think about this every single week, if not every single day. There are men's fashion resources, but honestly, they, they suck. They suck, you know what. Um, like GQ is, it's useless, honestly. Um, useless. And I don't even know what the other ones would be. There really aren't any. And if you think about it, Men's, like, general style has really not been too over-the-top or extreme. Like, one thing I will say, and this has to do with what we're going to get into here, is, um, for example, you know, my dad was born in the early 60s, and um, he has pictures of himself where he's wearing like these really short shorts. And apparently that was the thing in the 70s. Um, and it was just a thing, you know, where people like, oh, I'm wearing short shorts because I want to dress in a way that people might think I'm gay. No, of course not. When people saw the short shorts where they're like, wow, that's really gay. No, they didn't. Like in the NBA in the 70s, um, if you watch footage, I mean, they're, they're basically wearing like short shorts. Um, and it was just the style. Um, and so those kind of things, they, they do tend to, to oscillate. Um, but one thing I've noticed is that there are just less... So conventionally, there are only certain ways in which a man can use his clothing to really go above the status quo. So take a, a top, for example, a shirt, you know. Um, and this is another thing we'll cover. For a man, generally, uh, from my research and also from my lived experience, is that you're like, okay, well, am I going to wear like a t-shirt? Am I going to wear a polo? Or am I going to wear a button-up? And that's pretty much it. If you're a woman, you have a blouse. You have a halter top. You have a tank top, which I guess men also have a tank top. You have like a strap what kind of strap is it? Is it a spaghetti string strap? You know, is it like a square neck um, uh, uh, tank top? Um, what do the sleeves look like? Are they puffy sleeves? Um, do they complement like your supposed body type? Because there's just like five. There's like the oval or the circle, the rectangle, in, inverted triangle. Um hourglass and there's one more who cares so and then when you go to the bottom with men it's like shorts or or pants most of the time it's jeans um that's like the modern american go-to um or athletic shorts that's pretty common um women it's like okay i'm wearing a skirt how short is the skirt does it go out does it have pleats is it a pencil skirt does it have a slip 
Um, is it does it have a pattern? What's the fabric made of? Uh, am I wearing shorts? What kind of shorts? Are they denim? Are they uh, fitted? Are they skinny fit? Um, do they have a um, a hem that shows? Um, are they trendy? So are they ripped up? You know, which was it's still still kind of a trend. Um, am I wearing a romper? You know, a one piece, uh, almost like a overall. Well, no, not overalls, but um, a jumper. Um, and everything in between. You know, the pants can be flowy. They can be skinny. Cigarette pants, as they call them, or used to call them back when they like first got invented. So that's the uh, mindset that men uh, bring to the table, which is, in my experience, not much. That's why you uh, have people like me who straddle the line. And uh, speaking of straddling the line, want to talk about a uh, article that came out. It's by a woman named Emma Grillo in the New York Times. It was last week, and. Uh, it's about men wearing crop tops and there are two examples that uh, she gives about uh, in popular culture where um, it's not even her giving it it's a man named I think his name is Professor Barry and he's a uh, diversity uh, and inclusion uh, professor let's see I'm going to turn off airplane mode and um, the two examples that he gives is uh, Johnny Depp from um, Nightmare on Elm Street, which by the way, uh, if you listen to Unravel, a fashion podcast, it's like the history of fashion. It's really interesting. Um, Their like second episode is about horror movie fashion. And they mentioned that and uh, they actually were like, oh, he was so dreamy. And you know, whether you're a man or a woman, clothing does not solely is not solely meant to communicate your sex appeal or your willingness to you know be receptive to a romantic encounter. Um, so, in other words, that was their reception of it. That was their take on it. Right? It was like, wow, look at Johnny Depp. Um, you know, he looked. He was so like hot in that crop top. Um, it's like a football jersey crop top. Um, and you can see his like belly button. Um, now is it, does that mean that now if I went and bought that exact shirt that I would have women saying that about me or men? (laughs) No, that's not how it works because there's a lot of other things that go into it. It's all baked into the cake. Um, they are taking everything that they know about Johnny Depp and maybe, and also they probably find him, you know, physically attractive as well. Uh, but they also know him from other movies. They know he has all this, this, he has like this societal imprint of in their mind who Johnny Depp is. And then he happens to be wearing this, this fashion thing. And to me, objectively, it does look kind of, um, it's not, uh, displeasing. Um, it's a certain style and I can also appreciate the fact that it's, um, it's like experimental and it's subversive, meaning, you know, he could have just been wearing a a football jersey, but they went and said, no, let's like make a conscious decision here that flips the status quo, um, which apparently was, was more common back then in the eighties. So let's see here. And, uh, one of the, I wrote an article yesterday or published an article yesterday. Another example that I give is Prince. Uh, he would wear crop top like vests. And um, Will Smith apparently, and I, I posted the picture of it um, in an episode of Fresh Prince is wearing like a uh, a crop top and it's like bright neon. And, you know, he's supposed to be like the kind of lovable, like goofy, um, all-American guy uh, who's kind of edgy, in, in his humor, but overall funny, very charismatic, um, has like a mission. Um, and when he's in it, it's kind of just like, you know, cause he wears like the silly hats too sometimes. Right. And does like the silly dance moves and, and has the funny expressions like, 
and the funny facial ex, uh, expressions. And so that is a package. Nothing to me from that reads gay at all. So I want to get into this clip here um, and uh, we'll point out the, uh, you know, Ben Shapiro is not someone that I would consider uh, illogical, but I think that um, the conclusion, or I think that the, the, um, I would say his, uh, he's not, he's not necessarily coming up with a conclusion, but his claims here, I think are based on faulty, uh, premises, which is that it's wrong for men to dress in ways that are considered gay and that there is a push from modern media to turn men into women and that, um, it is inherently bad for uh, a man to break the gender norms. But the part that I really was a little shocked by is that it's almost the, here, here's how the logic sort of falls, is that he says that men are showing their midriff uh, and that's something that should be reserved for the gay community and because men are doing something that's um, associated with the gay community it's inherently bad and it's, it's a societal bad it looks bad and that it is a bad indicator for society and I really disagree with all of those things alright so here's the clip Got a comment on the dumbest fashion trend of the day. There is such an effort in legacy media to make men into women. It is astonishing. So there's a new piece at the New York Times by a person named Emma Grillo called Men Are Bearing Midriffs in Crop Tops. Some are cropping their shirts at home. Others are buying them from stores, women's sections. It's first of all, 99.8% of the men who are bearing their midriffs in crop tops are gay. There are not a lot of straight dudes who are like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hang my belly out here. Those aren't called crop tops when, when straight dudes do it. It's just you're too fat for your shirt when straight dudes do it. So first of all, let me just say, just as a fashion matter, no one wants to see the midriff of another man. Just as a general, I'm not going to speak for gay men. Women, I don't think, are interested. Neither are straight men. Like this isn't just generally not an attractive thing as a rule. But, you know, all that is female must become male, apparently. All right, so that's from a Thursday episode last week. Uh, it's called episode 1760, uh, sorry, 1765, Republicans versus the FBI, the Ben Shapiro Show. Um, so as you heard, um, there is a sentiment that uh, it looks stupid, his words, um, and that it is a trend that is reserved specifically for the gay community and that uh, it deserves uh, female derision um, that um, I guess in some ways it makes you less of a man. <laughs> and here, here's the, this is the GenSpec official GenSpec response. Well, it's the official GenSpec take is that, of course, there are going to be certain fashion trends, um, fashion decisions that someone's going to uh, do and say that looks stupid, uh, using that word maybe, um, or it'll be something that they don't like. I can give you a perfect example. Um, right now, the it shoe uh, for women is the Adidas Samba which is a shoe, and it costs $100. It's a shoe that um, was popular with men in my high school that actually played soccer. It was, like, extremely popular with those men, uh, those, you know, high school-aged younger men. And now, here we are sometime later, and it's now become an it shoe for women. Well, I remember... In 2021, the issue, and this was before I got too deep into fashion research, was from what I what I just saw personally on a, on a surface level, 
was that it was a white Air Force One. And um, I did not think that it was very, I didn't, I've never liked that look. I'll be, I'm gonna come out and say it. Especially, it was like the uh, TikTok influencer look where it was like extraordinarily damaged jeans um, that had, that gave you like a box profile, a boxy profile because they were like straight leg, like wide leg and they were pretty tarnished. Sometimes I remember seeing some where they were like, they were basically just the back of them and they were like barely hanging on in the front. You could see like their whole leg. Sometimes the like fabric would be separate from the woman's leg. So it would be um, kind of waving around as they walk and you could see like their leg moving. Other times it was more skin, uh, like a skinny pant. And so it was like, didn't move around so much. Um, but most of the time it was like the straight leg type look. And then at the bottom you had these, the big chunky Air Force One. So to me, I never really thought that that was a good look. I didn't really like it um, aesthetically um, and I didn't think it looked um, flattering. So, but that's just my take. Um, are those women wrong for doing that? Of course not. Um, and um, it's a trend and that's how, that's how the things go. Um, they bubble up and become a trend and then they go. So, uh, Samba shoes are the new, apparently, according to the fashion gods, um, that, uh, that's the new it girl shoe. Um, and if you publish something like that enough times, I think it actually does become true. I think that's the rule. So... Um, that is a, uh, that's a take. So here's the thing going into the next topic as well. What you say with your, well, first off, I don't think that, um, you should take a, a means of dressing and say that is characteristic of the gay community, for example, or let's say, let's say like a lesbian, you know, short hair on a woman, um, you know, People call her the D word, you know, the D slur or, you know, well, say like that looks kind of butch or like that looks like a, a lesbian. She looks like a lesbian. Um, it's uh, turning their fashion decisions into like a, a cudgel, you know, as they say, or a baton to use against them. Um, and I mean, I get it. You know, people are uh, people are people, and uh, if you need a cudgel, you can very easily find one. Um, it doesn't have to be their fashion decisions, but there also is a way of divorcing someone's sexuality from what they're wearing. And now, here's the thing: is not everyone's going to agree with that. And when you dress, you dress for the world. You don't dress for yourself. You dress necessarily because of the utility, but also because it's it's required by society. And um, that's just how it is. Um, you can't escape having to make a fashion decision. Now, if you dress in a way that is something that you enjoy but is characteristic of a certain community then that's fine but what I don't think is is um, appropriate is to then say well because you resemble someone who's a gay man that is automatically a bad thing um, because it's not it's not bad to be a gay man um, I, like I said, know plenty of, of people who are gay and, um, even as a straight man, um, I had nothing but camaraderie. I'm using the past tense because the 
two people that I'm thinking of. Um, I haven't really talked to them in a while because um, it was back when I was like um, still going to college uh, and had two gay friends. And so I and and I think that even Ben Shapiro knows gay people. So it is a bit odd to, well, I'm, I'm sure he does for sure. So I think it's odd to say, okay, men are wearing crop tops and that's a characteristic of the gay community and that's a bad thing. And also uh, legacy media, meaning like dinosaur media, CNN, um, Washington Post, New York Times, that's, that's what legacy media is as opposed to new media. Um, that they're trying to turn men into women. Um, I don't see how that is the case because we've seen this before, especially gender bending. You know, David Bowie is always the example I use. Prince is another example. Um, It's really nothing new. Um, And it also, one, it's not bad. Now, would I wear a crop top? Um, I don't think I would because I don't see that style on myself. Um, would I be uncomfortable doing it? No, not really. I mean, let's say I was in a play or something and they're like, yeah, your character's wearing a crop top. Would I be like, uh-uh, absolutely not. No way. That's gay. <laughs> no, not at all. You know, or, you know, a Halloween costume or something. You know, I get me and my, um, a friend, a, you know, let's say a, a woman and she's like, oh yeah, can you be like Johnny Depp and I'll be this other character from Nightmare on Elm Street. So you got to get the crop top, you know, would I be uncomfortable doing that? No, not at all. Now, would I go to the store? So in that article, um, she talks about how men now shop in the women's section, which we had to do back in the day to get the, uh, right before they started making skinny jeans, no joke, before they started making skinny jeans for men, you had to shop in the women's section. And it was totally fine back then, you know, got a little bit of um, ridicule, um, but it also was the style. Um, and, um, I mean, women did not, um, I was not repelling to women, let me just put it that way, to be a young man engaging in the style at the time, that was like um, boundary pushing. And also I was very, very thin, and um, so um, the I was able to get away with very specific silhouettes. So... Um, it's not necessarily the crop top that's, that's at issue. Um, oh, okay. So back, you know, to the article is that, um, apparently men will go and shop the women's section or they'll cut all their shirts. Uh, now would I cut all my shirts? No, not at all. Because they're in the style of a t-shirt, not a crop top. And that would be my style decision. But gender bending is nothing new. If you're gay, that's okay because you were born that way. And no one can explain why some men are drawn to women, some men are drawn to men and women, and some men are drawn to other men. I don't pretend to understand what that experience is like. I also don't pretend to understand what the experience of a woman is like. Um, I only know it from my experience as a man. And uh, do I think that the two sexes are complementary? In a lot of ways, I do. Um, and uh, I do think that they're different, but we, we share similar drives um but um we have different strengths and um different means of expression and that's not to 
qualify one or the other. Um, you know, do I think um, a woman painter is as good as a man, a man, a male painter? You know, that's to me, it's it's one way of of looking at things. But if you're talking about things that are creative, um, first off, first off, the highest selling author of all time was a, is a woman, J.K. Rowling, highest selling. So clearly, women can be commercially commercially successful using a cre- creative product. Um, I mean, the franchise power that that woman created was—it's. I mean, it's never been duplicated. So um, that should tell you everything you need to know. Um, so it's not about men um, imitating women or vice versa uh but we all know where the uh polarities are placed and so i think if people want to play around with that that's totally fine now will there be detractors that say why are you dressing like a woman or why are you dressing gay of course obviously there uh is currently a uh, pretty big name commentator um active uh very casually saying that um but to me that's okay. Again, would I dress in a way that is overly flamboyant? I probably wouldn't. I'm more of a, if I'm going to go really over the top, I'm going to go very like street street style. And um, that's just what I like. Um, I have certain silhouettes that I like. Now, do I borrow fashion ideas from women? Heck yeah, man. All the time. All the time. I'm, a, I'm like a the biggest advocate for going on a Pinterest and looking at people like Haley Bieber, um, and um, and there's so many. Um, I just go through my Pinterest feed, so I forget. But apparently, um, and uh, I have a a name that was bestowed to me uh, uh, for this woman, Emrata, which is a lot easier to say than Emily Rigitowski or whatever her last name is. So Emrata, which kind of sounds like Gunkata, that uh, style of fighting from the movie Equilibrium, where you <laughs> used the gun as a weapon. <laughs> Gunkata. All right. So she's a style icon. Um, who whom else? Um, Taylor Swift. But Taylor Swift does wear like a lot of uh, heels and dresses. Again, am I going to go wear heels and dresses? No, I'm not going to personally. Um, but take someone like Hailey Bieber. She wears, if you look at the her silhouette and where it falls, when she wears something like a black leather boot with a with a pair of shorter shorts and a like a crew neck sweatshirt. You know, can I take those proportions? Yeah, I sure can. Um, would I feel comfortable doing that? Yeah, I would, and I have. It's just that it gets really hot here in the summer so that's the reason why all right now we go to my favorite uh co-hispanic christian allaire she does the lord's work really she really does um i think i love this woman and i've never met her um and i don't know what she looks like maybe i'll reach out to her one day um maybe when i'm not um such a peasant um in terms of my knowledge of fashion um yeah one of these days that's my dream some people want to land on the moon i just want Kristen allaire to like me all right so one of the Cannes film festival's most memorable this is just reading fashion moments this year was when the stars of pedro almodovar's strange way of life attended the film's photo call actors manu rios jason fernandez Jose Condesa all showed up in sleek Saint Laurent blouses. Rios opted for a plunging evening shirt in cream, while Condesa wore one in ab-bearing black. Fernandez, meanwhile, selected a silky sleeveless top with a pussy bow detail. Um, I didn't know that that was a fashion term. Um, I suppose that's not profanity. Um, pussy bow. <laughs> like a cat? 
Uh, it's not profanity, so I still get to keep my clean rating. Um, but yeah, that's the detail. Uh, these were not your standard dress shirts. They're decidedly more modern and sexy in feel. I was instantly intrigued. Christian Allaire. She continues, and this is um, what I mean by our, our fashion sages. Christian is definitely one of them. She works for Cond Nast, which is like a fashion empire. And they're a freaking massive brand. And they're also global. So, boo. Boo you. The provocative men's blouse is a huge trend on the fall runways as well. Designers have incorporated unexpected though elegant touches that instantly elevate your everyday button-up. At St. Laurent, the white cotton tops had big bow neckties. Willie Chavaria and Tanner Fletcher showed sheer black blouses with bows. Jacquemus even had tanks with peplum head hemlines that's a new one for me i gotta you know if anything we're gonna call it like we sees it and uh pe- peplum i don't know what that is i'm gonna have to look that up and um it'll be a learning experience for the both of us these pieces have reimagined the top as something that can feel formal and like a statement entirely on its own no blazer or accessories needed the look feels totally fresh especially in the menswear space so again, that is uh, so on point because it's about um, fresh and it's about new and experimental. Um, and again, it, it using borrowing um, uh, like clothing aspects, sartorial to use the, the word that like people love to bust out. Um, your fashion decisions, that's nothing new. Um, to use as something that's going to be your vehicle to experiment with, um, which is why I bring up things like, I mean, take Dennis Rodman, for example. You know, he was married to, I think it was Carmen Electra, okay, supermodel. Um, by all accounts, that's not a gay man, but he would wear, like, earrings and nose piercings and dresses and stuff. I think when he got married, he was wearing a, a, a bride's gown, and that was in the 90s, so... And then David Bowie, Prince, um, there was another um, person that I had thought of yesterday, but it's gone into the ethers. So, uh, would I wear a shirt that has a plunging neckline? Maybe. Um, there are. Uh, I wouldn't wear a shirt necessarily that is too blouse-like, um, but I would be open to it. Um, what I used to do, though, is I used to wear button-ups where only the bottom buttons were were there i've even gone out like wearing just a blazer when i was in my younger more wild days my wilder days um i i have pictures or i have a picture of the blazer i don't have a picture of when i went out but literally was shirtless i had like a six-pack abs at the time um and that was what i wore out so um and also it was my girlfriend at the time's blazer so it was a woman's blazer with no shirt so um folks you're talking you're hearing from an expert on this on this topic okay some men have merely broached the idea of flirting with the feminine and i mean through their clothing not actually flirting with women some men um don't even possess that capability losers (laughs) myself um so all right and this is, um, I mean, multiple sources bringing this stuff in. And that's what I do. I'm your uh, data aggregator, um, which is really convenient. Here we have another one. This is by a man named Jose Criales Unsueta, and it was written two days ago. Now, this is an interesting take because it's specifically non-hetero in the conventional sense because the the headline is how the complicated tank top became the unofficial queer going out top okay now what falls under queer that i leave up to you to decide um yeah i don't question it he's quoting somebody wait how do you put that on 
I was in the Fire Island Pines last weekend wearing a Courage's tank top, some, some foreign brand, with a built-in twisted front bodice. My head was poking through its armhole and its neck was exposing my shoulder and a new friend was asking how it worked. Well, that uh, we're not going to read the whole um, article, but uh, basically they're very feminine looking blouses. Now this article right here is specifically attributing it to the queer community, which um, can encompass someone who's straight, um, but, or maybe has a, like a bisexuality aspect to them. Maybe they're open to bisexual. Um, back when I was younger, like very young, that was called bi-curious. I don't know if that's still a phrase. Probably not, because if it's not on TikTok, then uh, the youths are not uh, saying it. Um, and uh, so, and it also can encompass people who consider themselves as non-gender conforming. Um, which is also totally fine. Um, if you're someone who considers yourself gender fluid, then that would mean that you um, give yourself the license and the liberty to identify as different genders um, depending on um, your feeling. You also would likely not buy into the gender binary, meaning that there's not only two categories of, of um, gender, which would be male and female. Um, now that's why I was talking about temperament earlier because that also shows that there are different categories, you know, and that's why I brought myself up as an example. Um, this is not a sports fo- uh, podcast. It's a fashion podcast. It's a fashion cast. And that's stereotypically, if we're going by those binaries, um, is a, it should be a feminine aspect. Um, so, but it makes sense to me. And it doesn't change the way that I identify or anything. It's just, it is what it is. Um, there are things like um, openness is part of the big five scale, um, agreeability. Um, and it's not necessarily that things are bad, um, but you know, you always have, there's, there's always crossover. Um, and so, yes, you can look back and see a traditionally, um, a traditional way that allow you to realize that there's a pattern but it doesn't mean that if you're a man you automatically like trucks and football and if you're a woman you love pink and barbie but a lot of times those have been where the interests are drawn with some overlap and then also um, tons of outliers and that's totally fine if you consider yourself queer (laughs) by all means when I was a, a kid, that was a, like, a, you didn't want to be called that. So, you know, um, if it was reclaimed, then I think that that's, uh, that's cool. All right. So this is just to cap off uh, this man's article. Um, there was a distinct butchness to the tanks at the women's show. So as you can see, a lot of people are using the sexual framework, the sexuality framework to look at uh, clothing which I, I find interesting because what if, let's say, you walk into a library and there's a librarian and she's wearing denim overalls. What does that say about her sexuality? Just a random example I have. To me, she's just dressed like a librarian. Um, all right. In my view, continuing... It stemmed from the way that the dollar store item had been reclaimed from the back of underwear drawers by gay men and lesbian women in an effort to find yet another heteronormative ordinary wardrobe staple to subvert. See also jorts, which are jean shorts, trucker hats, and dress ties. I mean, I I thought that those were always available across the... uh, hetero or non-heteronormative scale. I never knew that um, trucker hats were uh, the subject of a non-heteronormative revolution. Um, But I would have tried to join the two banners in that fight and just said, hey fellas, 
and non-fellas, um, let's all wear the trucker hats. And then they would have like dropped what they're doing, looked up and like, huh? And then some like town crier would come out and be like, he's right. Let's cease this useless bloodshed and we'll fight no more. And then everyone like erupts in shit. That's right, trucker hats for all. And then I would uh, probably pop out and be like, and you can get them at the, at the Lamb Dog store online. Boo! <laughs> Boo! Get out of here, you salesman. And um, I would have been like, but the trucker, boo! And then there would have been harmony everlasting. Because let's, uh, let's not typecast the trucker hat, okay? Trucker hats are for everyone. T-A-F-E. TAFE. Trucker hats is all one word. Or no, maybe it's T-H-A-F-E. Is my new like Love Angel Music Baby by uh, uh, Gwen Stefani. It was Lamb. Well, this is T-HAFE. And it's a trucker brand company. Or trucker hat brand. I'm bankrupt. Alright. Continuing. While all this was happening on the runways and gay clubs, raves, and queer parties across New York City, more complicated tanks became emer- began emerging. Sure, masked gays were flexing their bicep in normie black tanks. <laughs> but as queer fashion files had moved on to more avant-garde iterations from labels like K. Ingsley and Dion Lee. There you have it. This is interesting. What's the appeal? As one complicated tank-wearing friend tells me, queer people just like things a little effed up. I'm paraphrasing. Is that true? I didn't know that. It's true, he says. Queer folk often gravitate to fashions that are atypical as signifiers of our own unconventionality. There's also the gender-bending of it all. He's quoting, rather than seeing this profile as complicated, I would say that it has evolved from the language of contrasting masculine and feminine codes. There you go. He was told by email by a man named, I assume a man, Dion Lee, the tank is seen as an archetype of masculinity. Isn't it though? I mean, didn't like... Athen warrior women wear like those sweet like bustier archetype of masculinity is that right they used to like wrestle shirtless so maybe shirtless I think they were butt naked in like ancient Greece huh and also masculinity historically has been more clothes not less (coughs) it's like look how frumpy my coat is I'm the king, Alma Monarch. Um, he added, so Dion Lee's wrong and Myers Briggs are wrong, both wrong. The contrast of an underdesigned bulk purchased basic versus one with a delicate strap or decorative detail, it subverts the profile with a feminine language. There you go. That's the queer code. All right, we got uh, one more thing I want to touch on. And it's uh, M. Rata and uh, Kim Kardashian. Um, there was a dress that she showed up to a in. Uh, let me pull up the. It was in Europe at the Dolce and Gabbana show in Puglia, which uh, I think is in Italy. No, it's in France. I don't remember. Um, and, uh, that one got a huge, uh, reception online. That's the only reason I mention it. Um, because evening gowns and over the top stuff like this is, uh, a bit out of my forte in my wheelhouse. Cause at the end of the day, I consider myself a, uh, graphic designer and that's mostly with t-shirts um, mostly t-shirts and hats. And then, um, I have the ability to make other, put, I can put the graphic on other things too, like a fanny pack if I want, which is pretty cool. Um, so evening gowns, not typically my cup of tea. 
but that one, um, you know, Kim Kardashian, leave it to Kim Kardashian to like break sections of the internet. Um, the like fanfare that I saw, um, the brief time that I was like looking into it, um, it took me all the links on Google. They're just like, you know, back in like the 20s when you made a phone call and they'd be like, operator here, which line are you trying to reach? And they'd be like, I'm trying to reach uh, Mr. Rogerson in uh, port 20. Yes, sir. Just a minute, sir. Let me uh, connect you. I'm connecting you right now. And they'd move the little like peg from like one like connector to the other. And like, hello, Mr. Rogerson. Yes, uh, I've been expecting your call. Um, that's uh, basically Google and all the little ports are TikTok. So when you search, it's like, oh, uh, you you wanted to see uh, what's her name, uh, Kim Kardashian? Uh, here, here's a TikTok uh, link for you. Oh, suppose that that one's not good enough for you. Well, here's another, and so on and so forth. Um, so if you haven't seen it, uh, have a look. There you go. Evening, evening gowns. Last thing. Um, this woman is. I know someone's a big deal when I don't actively seek them out, but yet they keep finding their ways into my analysis. Maybe that's a good thing, maybe that's bad. But Emrata, who knows Gunkata? This is by Alex Kessler, July 16th, which is today. All right, this is hot, 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 hot. Off the bricks. Ah, it hurts my hand. I can't hold it. Cottage core is still cool for the summer. M M uh, what is it? M Guncott. Guncotta is known for provocative outfits that leave little to the imagination. Whether she's in low slung cargo pants and an itsy bitsy crop top on the streets of New York, or wearing a shimmering, curve accentuating naked dress by emerging L London designer Fabian at the Vanity Fair Oscars party. The model consistently serves fashion with a generous helping of sex appeal and, as Megan the Stallion put it in her 2020 hit single, Body Adi Adi. But this summer, Amrata's... I don't think that, uh... Whatever. When I see, uh this outfit that's on uh i'll put it in the show notes um that's featured on this my uh attention goes to the and i'm being dead serious here and i'm a heterosexual man um and i think uh, emily retalskos is uh attractive um of course but um i think that uh i don't think body yaddy yaddy when i see this uh not to take anything away from her um but i just see the um the uh artisan or craftsmanship of it all um and the not so much the craftsmanship of the individual items but the pulling together of the piece as a whole um it's actually pretty um aesthetically pleasing 100 percent um does it show is it provocative yes it shows most of her legs, it shows her entire midriff, it shows like the under under cleavage of her uh, chest, um, and she has her hair down. Um, and am I like, do I have an uncontrollable urge by looking at this? No, not at all, <laughs> you know? Um, and since that's the lens that we want to look at it, which is the fashion lens um yeah i can I, I it's not hard to do um despite what i think some people may have preconceived notions about that as a man looking at fashion it's it's always like okay well does it make her look more attractive and more appealing there are so many other aspects which is why i typically go to the women talking to about other women or to other women for my information because it lacks that necessity to derive sexual sex like 
determines sexual satisfaction of an outfit, um, whether it's uh, visually appealing. It's like, okay, who cares what you find attractive? If you're a man, she's a woman. I mean, chances are, and you're straight, uh, or, you know, you're heterosexual, like, okay, like, it's like saying, you know, when I wake up in the morning, sometimes I get hungry. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> we all do. Okay. But this summer, uh, Gunkata style has taken a slightly different, albeit still alluring, turn. A recent Instagram post finds the model and author joyfully exploring lavender fields. A comment from the Jacobez Instagram account saying simply, back, hinted at her, vac- uh, excuse me, at her location in Valençol in Provence, where the French brand's Spring 2020 show was staged against the backdrop of lavender fields. To complement the idyllic countryside setting, Gunkata opted for an ensemble that embraced the charm of hashtag cottagecore, which is awesome, my commentary. And this is returning to the article. A nostalgia-laden aesthetic that was trending in 2020. Well, apparently, it's still going strong if Gunkata has anything to say about it. Her look featured a navy and white gingham off-the-shoulder crop top with ruched, rushed, R-U-C-H-E-D, ruched trims and puffy sleeves paired with a matching skirt and hoop earrings. Ratatowski uh, adopted a similar vibe to attend the Jacquemus Fall 2023 show at Versailles, which is in France, a few weeks ago. Her all-wide ensemble including a, uh, included a bralette, with voluminous sheer sleeves, a matching tutu miniskirt, and square-toed ballet pumps. That's the uh, picture that we're talking about. So there you go, right there. Without saying body yadi yadi, you've just analyzed the look. Um, I mean, who cares how this person um, analyzes it? That's that's totally fine. But um, just want to show that there are... The first one is a... Um, and even like other women will do this where they're like, you know, she looks so sexy, for example. Um, and that's true. But um, then the second is a more analytical um, way of looking at it. And let's say you were going to be a person who was, let's say you were going to be like a creative design lead at Gucci, for example. You would have to know this stuff. It wouldn't have to be like, well, does she do she look sex appeal to me? Um You'd have to take it one step further than that. So you'd have to maybe combine both worlds. But I will tell you, you know, I watched the Versace fashion show for spring, summer 2023, which was a few months back. And uh, it was like a lot of coverage. I mean, it wasn't too much like like over the top sex appeal, Um, you know, and that's a massive brand, obviously. So last thing we want to cover with Gunkata as well, specifically, is this one I found uh, interesting. This is from three days ago. And I want to talk about this because this is a shoe that I used to wear. This is by Hannah Jackson, July 13th, 2023. Three days ago. All right. Complete this outfit. Emily Gunkata Stepped out in Paris wearing a fitted white tank top, flowy Scanlan Theodore tr- uh, trousers, and carrying a buttery Miu Miu Arcady bag. What shoes would best finish off the look? The obvious pick would have been Summery Sandals tried and true ballet flats or the persistent Adidas Sambas. Instead, the model and author zigged where others zagged, I love that phrase, opting for a classic pair of black and white Vans checkerboard slip-ons. She continues, as a native Southern Californian, I felt vindicated by Gunkata's shoe choice. Owning a pair of slip-on bands feels just uh, as much a rite of passage as wifing out on a surfboard, but they had never had a moment of national or even global uh, ubiquity akin to Air Force Ones or Stan Smiths, and then in parentheses, or yes, Sambas. While I've proudly owned other sneakers of the moment and worn them into the ground, none have the longevity of the humble canvas slip-ons. The bright white leather of other popular tennis shoes requires upkeep 
and frankly looks gross when they get too worn in. Tying dirty laces? No thank you, she says in parentheses. But with slip-on bands, the grime adds a layer of cool, an aura of authenticity. For a shoe beloved by the skating community, wear and tear is a sign of durability and practice. Completely agree. We want to finish it off with this last little paragraph here. When I moved to the Midwest for graduate school and saw nary a pair of slip-on skater shoes in sight, I realized that sometimes it takes leaving home to truly appreciate a local staple. It seems that Emrata, a a San Diegan, traipsing through New York, that's so cool, (laughs) knows that too. In the rest of the country, perhaps vans are a vestige of Warped Tour's past, but for Californians, they're essential for a lifestyle where you could jump in the ocean at a moment's notice. What more could you want out of your summer than that? Well, what's her name? Hold on. Hannah. Some uh, Cottage core is what I want. And furthermore, if fashion magazines are any indication summer, even though it's in the like almost literal middle of it because it's middle of July, f- forget all that. Fall is on us. And... Uh, Folks, it's not just me saying it. The trend is um, Vans slip-ons, crop tops on men, um, being queer, queer edginess and subversion. And if Amrata has anything to say about it, cottagecore. Cottagecore.